Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host, Leanne Whippen. Hall of Famer, I might say, you know, and uh, great person to travel with and work with. I will give her that compliment this morning. Thank you. You are too. Um, You get us today. How about that? Because we're going to do part two of a show we did not long ago that was about competitive barbecue. And if you want to get into competitive barbecue, I can think of no one better to talk about it than my co-host, Leanne. Uh, This portion of our competitive barbecue show here on barbecue nation is brought to you by painted hills natural beef beef the way nature intended you can check them out at painted hills natural beef.com all right kiddo uh where we left off was i think kind of are you sure you want to do this <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so I, I, I'm sure you hear it more than I do because I don't get involved with competitive barbecue other than the interviews. But I think that everybody that asked me kind of asked me the same question, not only how do I get involved, but then they'll ask me a question too, like, well, how do you think they would like my brisket or my ribs or chicken or whatever? Uh, and what do you say to them? I, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Barbecue is such an individual um, exercise. But it's, it, but it's really not when it comes to KCBS. I feel as if they have zoned in on what the judge is like. And it's that sweet with little back heat uh, tomato based sauce. I don't care if you're in eastern North Carolina, you aren't going to go with a vinegar sauce because you're going to lose. So, you know, when somebody says that to me, I'll ask them, like, you know, what kind of sauce, what kind of rub are you using? And, you know, I'll listen to what they have to say and I'll make my recommendation based on if they're going to do a KCBS, uh, you know, what they're looking for. And honestly, it's not even my preference. I like vinegar based sauces. Right. I don't even like sauce. I like dry rub, you know, so I'm not going with what I like for competition. I'm going for what the judges like. And unfortunately, that's not even barbecue I cook in my backyard. And I think a lot of the competitors will tell you the same thing. How would you know, though? I mean, how would you know? I mean, regionally, yes. But when you get to certain competitions and all of a sudden they bring in a judge from Texas and a judge from California and a judge from Oregon, where I live, and, you know, one from Zimbabwe or someplace like that, how do you know? Well, that's why part of competing is luck of the judge. Uh, for the most part, you'll find that the KCBS contests that are sanctioned have certified judges. Right. They do fill in with celebrity judges. They do fill in with people that don't show. And you are at the mercy of how they're going to hit your table. And what I mean by that is there's going to be six judges at the table. 
So you don't have every judge there judging your food. You've got, you've got those six. So it's kind of a crapshoot who you're going to get. What if yeah. you get all those? What if you get six newbies? They aren't going to do that. KCBS is pretty cognizant of that. And they'll separate them out and put certified and kind of spread it out. But you might get that one judge that uh, first, you know, they, they might not even be certified. And so they don't realize the importance of scoring and they might think in their mind, you know, when you're scoring from, you know, one to nine, that a seven is a great score in their mind. When a seven, you're going to tank, uh, you, you have to get, you know, predominantly nines or, you know, eights and nines in order to be up for grand champion or, a, you know, particular category to cash in because sevens aren't going to cut it. So it is mercy of the judge sometime, and that's out of your control. And, and that's also part of the reason why you should not be discouraged if you don't win, um, because it might not be your fault. You right. could have turned in epic food, but sometimes it's it's luck of the judge. Well, I had that for years when I was doing the horse shows. It was always the luck of the judge, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes we would actually travel off our normal circuit if we needed to get a horse qualified for the nationals and we had a judge that was kind of friendly to us or something like that but i don't see how you can do that uh in barbecue because like you said you've got six judges there this is a kcbs deal mm -hmm. you got six so maybe there's one that really likes you and he gives you nines mm -hmm. uh like that and then you've got somebody that's maybe a little more adherent to the profiles that they've been trained in and they give you sevens, you know, well, or I'll tell you, if you have a table of judges all turning in straight nines and somebody turns in straight sevens, that's why you have table captains. The table captains look at the scorecards before they're turned in. And if they see a major discrepancy something like that that is happening say that guy's like marking sevens straight across the board and everyone else is given nines and he'll see it in two categories if that's the case right and there will be something that will happen because that's why you have a table captain you mean like euthanasia or something or no you just gotta you gotta spot these things and uh because they want to be fair to the cookers as well so there is a little bit of things going on to control that a little bit. Okay, so let's switch over to uh, the National Barbecue Association. Is that similar? Well, they don't have a sanctioned, uh, you know, contest body. I mean, you have Memphis mm -hmm. in May, and you know that's a little bit different in their scoring and you know the categories that you turn in, and you know that's on-site judging. So that's a whole, that's a whole nother ball game. But again, they have table captains as well. And it's to keep everything in check. We we like things in check. Yes. Yeah, we do. So when veer off a little bit here, Ian, mm -hmm. when you've judged, and I know you've judged a lot, mm -hmm. have you ever had to do that? If you've been a table captain or something, have you ever had to say, hey, Leonard, come on, get with the program here? No, I've never been a table captain, so I have not had that come come across me, you know? Yeah. And you don't see the other judges what their scores are. So it's not like I see it and say something to them because you're really not supposed to talk at the table until all the cards are turned in. Huh. There's well, no that's chit chat. No mm -hmm. chit chat. Nope. What about chat chit? Nope. None of it. 
Okay. So back to our uh, back to our newbies that want to want to go out and compete. Uh, we talked about this in the first show, but but really technically they can use any cooker that they want. I mean, they can't deep bring an air fryer in there, I suppose, but uh, it's got to be wood and charcoal. You can use pellet cookers. Electricity can be used as long as it's a starting mechanism or it's using to, you know, move your rotisserie. Right. Not like ovens or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important that you read the rules because the rules are stringent. Uh, As we discussed garnish, you don't want to be DQ'd over, you know, red tip lettuce or something that they don't allow. So familiarize yourself very well with the regulations. And we touched on the fact that um, it's important to go to contests and really get the feel of what's going on and talk to the cookers. And moreover, if you can get on a team, that that's the way to go. And you really get in the trenches and you really see what's going on. Um, so if you're fortunate enough to be able to get in there and ask these guys, sometimes they'll let you, you know, Sometimes they won't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they need an extra hand. Sometimes, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll be a runner. You'll run the food in, you know, for the judges. But uh, that's the optimum is really get on a team. You can do I, that. Yeah. I, you would learn a lot, especially a if you had, uh, somebody was uh, open and friendly to you yeah. to teach you that. And as so, I said, you know, it, we, we talked about, Using good meats, make that investment. You're out there, you're spending time and energy. You got to invest in good meat. But um, one of the things that's super important too is timing. I mean, you've got that 10 minute window. So you really have to put together a timeline. I mean, I have written notes, it's a spreadsheet. And it's not like I stare at the spreadsheet during the contest, but it gives me guidelines when I'm going to start each meet. So you back up from when your turn in time is. So chicken, say. Uh, is from five to noon to five afternoon. So you want to start doing your box no later than 10 minutes before turn in. And it depends on the walk too. Say you have a five minute walk to turn in. So you got to back that five minutes out. So timing is critical. And then you got to back out how much time, you know, your chicken takes, and then you got to back in and put in your brine time. So you put down, you know, on your timeline when you're going to put it in the brine. And this takes a lot of the pressure off. And when you're dealing with four different categories, it's extremely helpful. And sometimes you lose track of time or you get a little sleepy. Um, And if you have at least some sort of basic timeline, you can quickly look at it and not have to really think a whole lot. It's a guideline, but it, it certainly is very critical. And I used to do timelines on whiteboards, which can be a problem because what if somebody rubs against it and screws up your timeline? But I don't know why I had a thing for whiteboards. But at the end of the contest, what I would do is I would take a picture of it. So I had it. And I'd also keep track of what my, you know, you get your scores at the end of the contest and really sit down and look at those scores. And and also another thing I do is I always take a photograph right before turn-ins, not myself. I'll have whoever's there with me take a picture. So you have, cause you aren't going to remember these things. You aren't going to remember what your box looked like. And when your scores come in, put your pictures with the score sheets. So you have a reference, you know, say you got all nines on appearance for a chicken box and you have a picture of it. Well, shoot, do the same chicken box appearance next time. Right. Say, you know, you, your scores were great on taste, you know, and, and, you know, 
just if you keep track of everything, you can tweak how things go from contest to contest. Speaking of important times, we are going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. And Leanne and I will be back and talk more about what competition barbecue and what the do's and don'ts. And if you think you're interested in participating, some ideas for you. So we'll be right back here on The Nation. Please stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the uh, USA Radio Networks. In the Barbecue Nation Radio Network, I'm JT, along with Leanne Whippen, my co-host. If you'd like to contact us, very simple. Just go to barbecuenationjt.com. There's a contact us thing right on the bottom of the front page there. Click on it, ask us your question, and we will get back to you. We do that pretty well, actually. We get back to people pretty we well. Do. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do. So when you when you make this guideline sheet, do you also keep them where you say, okay, this is what I did in Mobile, Alabama, and this is what I did in uh, up in South Carolina? Um, so you've got a reference like that, or do you also no. go as far to say, here's the picture of the box, here's the guideline we used, and here were the judges. Do you ever keep track of the judges? No, because you don't know who the judges are. Supposedly. You don't. Okay. Um, and that's really not going to matter because that's out of your control anyway. Yeah. So whoever you get, you get. And you you aren't taking contest to contest and like having a culmination of a whole bunch of papers. You're doing that before you go into your contest, uh, whether you're practicing um, on improving your taste or what have you. Those are just guidelines to help you put together a master sheet. You don't want to have a whole bunch of papers flying around and be your eyes going here and there and everywhere. So I have one sheet. And I take a piece of duct tape and I tape it up on my wall so I don't lose track of it and get sauce all over it. And uh, yeah, you don't want to go crazy with it, but um, it's it's more, you know, just everything all in one sheet. That's actually an old Lakota, Lakota word, one sheet, one yeah. sheet, um, uh-huh. sort of. Uh can somebody actually compete with just like a Weber kettle and do well? A kettle is not something I would recommend. A WSM, a Weber Smoky Mountain Bullet. Yes, uh, that's yeah. what I started with. I I remember Harry Sue when he was on TLC Pitmasters with, with us. He had four. He's one for each category. It's an inexpensive and pretty lightweight and uh, easy to move kind of thing. Um, and it's still to this day, in my opinion, produces phenomenal barbecue. Um, I mean, do they need to bring in, you know, we're talking about the brand newbies, not somebody that's already kind of weighted up to their ankles in this pond, but do they need to go out and buy a jambo or something or absolutely not? No. And I wouldn't recommend doing that because you got to find out if you're actually going to like this. Uh, you might find that you go in and say, ah, this is, I don't like this. <laughs> I like staying up all night cooking or, um, you know, after a few th- after a few times you just aren't doing well and you get 
discouraged, which, you know, you should always keep your head up and keep trying, but no, it happens. Make, yeah. Just don't make that kind of investment. Um, it's not necessary to win in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have a Jambo. Yeah. I love my Jambo. It makes great barbecue, but I always bring a, a WSM too. I always have that there. So really you're going to be what you can get in your truck or slash trailer to get there to make it work for you and if you're confident in your cooking abilities with whatever cooker you're using then mm -hmm. i would say go for it right yeah and uh, you always have to you know be cognizant of wood and charcoal you know that you're bringing or using um in my opinion charcoal that's flavored is a no-no um whether it's you know mesquite flavored or whatever i feel like uh, it has a possibility of lending an artificial taste to your charcoal. So hardwood charcoal, no flavor, um, in my opinion. And some cookers require lumps, some, you know, like your green eggs. And then you, you've got the WSM, which you can just use briquettes. So make sure, you know, you bring enough charcoal. You certainly don't want to run out. Uh, in our family of barbecue, people are very helpful if you do run out. Um, They'll help you out with that, but you don't want to mess around with that. So always make sure you bring enough, uh, your wood, uh, make sure you're keeping it dry. I had an instance where I had my wood underneath my Jambo cause it has an area for storage, but it's also, you know, got holes in it and, you know, it had snowed and the <laughs> snow got in there and I didn't realize it and my wood was wet and that's a problem. So keep your wood dry. I also believe that you should not cook with wood with bark on it. I think it makes it a little bitter. Um, don't use wood that's too old. You know, just make sure you bring enough wood. That's another thing. Um, you don't want to run out in the middle of a contest. And also Ye make sure you bring some lighting too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People forget about that. I mean, you need to see what you're doing. <laughs> One thing I could recommend and I've not competed in one of these. I've judged a few, but, uh, and you were talking about lighting and stuff. Sometimes the wind comes up. Mm -hmm. uh, you have uh, inclement weather, like you were speaking of. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that, and, and they've got new ones now, because uh, I just bought some for our uh, TV stuff. They have, people used to have, you have to use sandbags, especially on if you've been around a movie set or something, they have mm -hmm. these big click lights and all that. Um, they have these ones that you can fill up with water. Yeah. And and they weigh 30 to 50, you know, however much, however much weight you want, they have them to accommodate that size. But that will hold them down in case of I mean, if you get a tornado going through there nothing i'll tell you happen. i've been at a lot of contests where wind has been an issue i always bring uh you know like four or five gallon buckets you know it's lightweight you can stack them and fill them up with water and tie them down to your tent um yeah you always always want to look at the weather and see what's going on with that because you know if you're in inclement weather and your tent blows away you're going to have some real issues um you don't want to start off a contest like that no, that would not be good. That mm -hmm. would not be good. Have Have you ever been to one where you had inclement weather like that and people, a particular team or something just said, okay, we're done. We can't fix this. I have been in multiple contests where people's tents have flown away in the middle of a contest, including myself. I had it happen once. 
Um, and you're kind of paying attention to your own site. So I don't, I've never really paid attention to see if anyone's like thrown in the towel. I, I don't, I've never heard of that, but I'm sure it's happened. It just makes it very unpleasant. Yeah. Well, you're out there and it's two o'clock in the morning and you're start, starting your fires or whatever. Uh -huh. And the wind's blowing and we're making this sound very attractive, aren't we, folks? Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with more of Barbecue Nation with Leanne and JT right after this. Don't go away. Hey, everybody, it's JT from Barbecue Nation, and my friends down at Smoky Bones have come up with a great summer special for you. For a limited time, get the Rib Feast for only $19.99. Now, Rib Feast comes with a house rack, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink, and that's when you actually eat at the restaurant. Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, well, they have about 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida, and they bring you fire-grilled favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner. And it's great stuff. So find a Smoky Bones near you and enjoy their summer rib feast special. Only $19.99. That's Smoky Bones, the masters of meat. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation here on the USA Radio Network. I'm JT along with Ms. Leanne Whippen, Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. yeah i like Getting that ready a lot. to go to the royal yeah Getting ready to go. first yeah. let me get your uh they don't, trophy that stretch trophy they don't make you do like hands and feet in cement like a grommens i know? i don't know i don't have all the details all i know is that i i just know i have to be there <laughs> <laughs> well i'll take some handy wipes with you in case you do have to put your fingerprints yeah. and something yeah um we'd like to thank the folks at painted hills natural beef beef the way nature intended and beef just like your grandpa used to raise that's painted hills natural beef and also gunter wilhelm knives superb quality excellent efficiency in the kitchen for a reasonable price that's gunterwilhelm.com and again you can contact us uh by going to barbecuenationjt.com and or if you want to listen to the podcast versions, which, by the way, we're doing very well with. I don't like to gloat too much, but uh, we are doing well with those. Uh, we're on all the platforms from Apple to uh, all the um, Android platforms like Captivate and all that. So we're out there. We're out there. When you talk about garnish. Did you ever did you ever have to pull the garnish because something happened and either redo redo it or just go without no i've never gone without um i of course you always tweak it after you put your meat in the box your garnish is going to shift and you might have to fill in so always make sure you have filling garnish by your box when you're getting ready to box up so if there's a hole in the garnish and you need to fill it in you got little pieces um always have it you know like a, a paper towel to wipe off sauce if it drips on the side of the box that kind of thing always be prepared for those little tiny things that happen but you know they do make a difference how long do the boxes normally sit once you've turned them in before they make it to the judging table because they wait for everybody to get the chicken for example everybody turns in their chicken they don't get you know they are not waiting for 
everybody to turn in their chicken. They're waiting for the first six boxes that they take to the first table immediately. So, okay, uh, it's a pretty even flow. It should not sit there long at all. Um, but you do want to make sure that your food is, you know, at least warm. Uh, Johnny Trigg, um, his wife made these special carriers that are insulated. Um, and I have it to this day and you can carry your box in that if it's cold and it'll keep the wind off of it. Um, so that's helpful too. keeps yeah. away all the elements, you know, keeps it warm. Do you keep away all the, uh, incorrigible elements like your radio partner here? You see, oh, you can't, you can't do that. No, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to get back to the, the grills and smokers, because that seems to be in people talking to me, Leanne, that seems to be the big thing that, and you touched on it earlier, the quality of meat. Um, I, I do know something about the quality of meat. And, you know, if you go to uh, the cheap store, I'll just put it that way without naming names. And there's lots of them around. And uh, of course, now the big thing is Wagyu and all that. But you, you can really do all right with a prime piece of beef brisket. Um, yeah. But going any lower choice, um, it reduces your odds. Um, you'll see online, and it's changed over the years. If someone took pictures of their food back in the day, nobody showed those pictures. Now everyone's proud of their pictures. So, and they're proud of how they've done in each category. So it's a good idea to follow these people that are doing well. And if they say they got a first in chicken, they're, they're usually even showing pictures of their boxes. Go ahead and mimic the box. I mean, shoot, if, if they got a first in chicken and the box is beautiful, copy it, you know, (laughs) nothing wrong with that. Um, So I highly recommend doing your homework on that. Uh, Because there's so many ways that you can present, you know, a pork box these days, especially with the money muscle and, you know, the tubes and everything. Um, Chicken's pretty straightforward. And so is brisket and ribs for that matter. But pork is a very interesting. Actually, chicken's kind of changing. I've seen some unusual chicken boxes out there, too. But do your homework on on presentation. um, Because the proof is they'll say it on the site, you know, how they did in the contest. And you'll see the garnish they're using. Well, that's good. What do you use for garnish? I'm a parsley person and I like green leafy lettuce. Um, I tend to favor parsley a lot. Um, but I do like green leafy lettuce. I don't know. It's also it's a matter of when I go into the produce department, what looks good, too. Yes. You don't use kale. I'm trying to find a legitimate I, usage yeah, kale. for kale. For yeah. sure, kale. Kale's used a lot out there. Yeah. It's nice and stiff and it fills up the box easily. Um, Kale's very prevalent out there. So do you just put it around the outside or do you actually put the meat on a bed of? I do a light bed on the bottom and then I make sure that it's up on the sides and uh, I don't over garnish. The meat is the focal point, but you still want it to look nice. Do you ever take the a toothpick and stab you know six twenty dollar bills and put it in the 
No, that's called marking. <laughs> you can't mark <laughs> your box. <laughs> I do use toothpicks to test ribs um, because you can't bite into every rib, you know, and figure out what you're going to turn in. Toothpick is a nice little thing to poke into your meat. And if it feels tender and comes out uh, quite easily, that, that's a nice little trick you can use for ribs. Well, let's um, talk about that for a second. Um, mm -hmm. Not testing particularly ribs, but what type of kit, if you will, people are big on kits, you know, mm -hmm. have in case of emergency, you have your home emergency kit or whatever. Mm -hmm. What should they consider as the basics to put in that? Everybody's got their preference on which knife they like to use, you know, what. Right. So your knives are important. Um your gloves that you're going to use. You don't want to have suede gloves. I use neoprene gloves. Um, they're heat resistant and they aren't too bulky. So, um, and it doesn't mess up the meat as much as, you know, another type of glove. Some people double up on um, or even triple up on food service gloves uh, if they can handle the heat. Um, that's a nice thing. Um, I always bring, um, I have some Gunter Wilhelm uh, scissors that I like to just clean up edges. Um, I never use tongs because that messes things up. So do you, um, pull, do you pull the the protein right off the rack in your cooker with your hands? You don't use tongs? So I usually, it, it depends on the meat, but sometimes like with chicken, I put it on a grate that's almost like a, like what you um, cool off cookies on, right. you know? And so you aren't taking the grate off the whole smoker. You're just taking that off. And then you can bring it to where you're going to do your boxes. And uh, that's a helpful thing. Um, I like to always have a Cambro on board, which is an insulated food carrier or a cooler. So that if your meat gets done early, you have somewhere to keep it warm. Um, I like bringing a moving blanket for my brisket. I usually snuggle that up while it's resting, you know, in a cooler, some sort of blanket or a towel. Um, or can, you can take a nap on there too, right? Yeah, it's very versatile. <laughs> and uh, I always bring a spray bottle uh, for apple juice or whatever you're going to use. Cause sometimes when you spritz right before it goes in, it adds some shine to your food. I always bring a mini food grinder, and that is to pulverize my dry rubs. Um, if I taste a piece of chicken and it just isn't giving me that pow, I will dust it lightly before turning with the dry rub and a smidgen of fine uh, kosher salt. I always turn in pork with a little bit of kosher salt at the end, but fine ground because you don't want them crunching on uh, coarse spices. So I always bring that little spice grinder. I always bring a degreaser and that is to degrease my beef brisket juices uh, because I like to take the grease out. And then what other great juices I have, I will add some uh, beef stock or bouillon to it. Um, if I need that to dunk my brisket in, whether to, you know, give it some um, some shine flavor, if it's dry, it's just good for emergency purposes. I always bring injectors. Because you got to have that for your injections. I have, um, oh gosh, uh, that's just off the top of my head. I, I would assume 
towels and paper towels and handy wipes or whatever. Lots of paper towels. Yeah. You know, there's throwaway white rags are always good. Lots of foil. And make sure you get heavy duty foil. Don't cheap out on your foil because then you're going to get holes in it and then you're going to lose your juices and then things are going to steam out. So you always invest in heavy duty foil and you want the big rolls, not the small rolls. Um, cutting boards, of course. Um, yeah, that's just as I said off the top of my head. Scraper for a cutting board. You know, I have to use cutting board because um, I, I use them all the time. Yeah, scrapers are great. Uh-huh. That'll clean, you know, because when you're going from one meat to the other, uh, even though they're a half hour apart, you're actually you've got to clean your board for the next one. So you got to clean and, you know, get your meat out. Then you got to cut your meat and figure out how you're going to do it in the box. And so really you're rolling from one turn into the next. Maybe there is a 10 minute break, depending on how your cook's going. But you're you're going boom, 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 one right after the other isn't like, oh, let's take a break, you know, and sit down for a half hour. No, it's not like that. It goes one right after the other. It's that old song, boom, 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 out go the lights. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You kind of grimaced when I said that. I think you must have had flashbacks of a bad cook uh, with a tornado or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And we'll be back on Barbecue Nation in just a moment. Don't go away. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Leanne Whippet today, and we're talking about... Uh, what you should do and some of the do's and don'ts if you want to get into competitive barbecue. We have uh we don't focus on competitive barbecue on this show, but we we do talk to a lot of people on the show that uh are involved in that at the highest levels and some at the beginning levels. And it's uh we've got a master hall of famer here that can help you with uh uh lots of questions that are buzzing around in your minds out there. Um my mind's always buzzing, so it doesn't really matter. Also, your sauce, um, you know, I'm just, things are running through my head as we're talking. Um, make sure you warm your sauce up. Um, don't sit there and boil it um, because the flavor profile will change, in my opinion. Um, and sometimes, you know, say your chicken thighs, when I do thighs, I, I always have this little stainless steel bowl that's uh, kind of deep and it holds one thigh at a time. So I'm not using a ton of sauce. So I'll fill that, you know, up. I'm talking maybe like an eight inch diameter stainless steel bowl because it can handle the heat. Um, and I'll just stick it in my smoker. It'll get a little smoke in there too. And then I'll, I'll take a pigtail, which is um, it's a long um, tool that has this little metal squirrely thing on the end, which it just like twists and, and you can, pick up the chicken thigh and dunk it in your sauce. And as I said, it should be, you can thin it out with apple juice if you want, uh, but you don't want it to be gloppy. You want it to be smooth and very thin so that it sets a glaze on it. So you dunk them in and then you put them back on that like cookie rack that I was talking about. And then once you do all of them, you put them back in the smoker um, and then, you know, only for like five or 10 minutes to let that set, set the sauce. Um, right. So 
that's helpful because chicken thighs, you can bang them up very easily, even if you're using your hands and they got to be picture perfect, you know, when, when you, you were- dunk them in, you're getting sauce all over it. So when people bite into it, the judges, they're going to get sauce in the entire bite. You know, that's you, what you were talking about brisket a little bit ago. Do you use an electric knife? I do. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I can get more control out of an electric knife for the thickness. Um, and it, it, it just goes real fast and easy for me. So it keeps my brisket as warm as possible. I feel like um, even though I'm, I'm pretty good with a knife, the electric knife, and I use a Cousinart electric knife, by the way, um, I feel like that does the trick for me. Um, it's just a preference. So you've got your brisket laying out in front of you. Mm-hmm. and it's cooked and you're going to start prepping the box. Mm-hmm. How many slices do you, I know what you turn in, but how many slices do you actually cut and then say, okay, I'm going to take this one and that one and this one and that one. I'm cutting pretty much what I'm going to turn in with maybe an extra one just to, of course, you know, test it. Um, so I would say I'm probably slicing 10 slices. Yeah. Um, and depending on, and it's also when I start setting up the box and I'm laying them in there side by side, I stand them straight up and then I push them down sideways so that they all fall down like dominoes evenly. Um, and you want to see, you know, the top of the smoke ring and, and the bark on the top. Um, so you got to have at least six slices and I, I like to at least put in eight um, so that I have room for the burn ends in front. Do you ever sample I sample everything before it goes in. Um, most of the time, you know, if I'm there, my daughter or daughters, uh, they're very good at telling me, you know, if I have two briskets, they're going to tell me which one they like better. I, I just get so caught up in the cook and I'm kind of grossed out. I, I just, <laughs> I really don't want to eat it. <laughs> I want to there by myself. That. I really, <laughs> I do understand that, you know, on my end, what I do, which is, very much more media oriented. You get done doing two or three shows in one day and somebody will look at you and say, you want to go to lunch or what? I don't want anything to do with food. Yeah. Uh, you and know, so it's good to have one or two people don't have an army sitting there tasting your food. First off, you're not going to have you just don't want to have that many people around uh, when you're doing your boxes. One or two designated taste testers, probably two so that you get, you know, a pretty good opinion uh, is the way to go. At least for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that when they're uh, well, that happens here, too. And I've talked about it on the show before you cook a big Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. I go outside and sit on the patio while everybody else is. I 100 percent agree. The next day is my day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, college football, uh, hot turkey sandwich or something, you know, whatever. Little mashed potatoes and gravy leftover. That's when I'll eat it because. I'm, I'm just, uh, well, I think everybody's probably that way. You just, mm-hmm. that's, you know, our moms were very, uh, I never could figure out why my mom stayed so slim when she cooked the food that she cooked. But then I uh, thinking back on it, she rarely ate a lot of it, you know? Yeah. That's the thing you get tired of, you know, she's probably tasting it, you know, like I always taste my food to see what it needs and you just get kind of tired of it. Of it and you just you aren't even hungry by the time you know rolls around not no. all the time but sometimes no it's it's it happens though because you just 
I think you get, you know, if you're tasting uh, on a conventional in-house meal and you're tasting, you know, gravy or you're tasting the bit of the turkey or whatever you're doing and you're making sure the um, the vegetables are seasoned properly and all that, mm-hmm. pretty soon you're just like, well, I want a bowl of Frosted Flakes. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> if you could give advice to our listeners, and we have been this whole show and the previous show mm-hmm. that we did on this, but if you could give advice to them, what are the, let's say, two most important things they should keep in mind if they're thinking about going into a competition or they've even registered to go to a competition and uh but maybe it's their first one or first or second one you know what does leanne whippen tell them keep this in the forefront of your thoughts you know lee you're there the day before usually you know friday for your meat inspection what have you if you need help lean on your neighbors you'd be surprised how much um, the barbecue community is willing to help you and how much you will learn from them. Um, and that's one bit of advice. And the other is go in with an open mind. Don't think if you walk away being a loser that it's over and you're never going to do this again. As I said, it could be luck of the judge. It could be that you just, you know, even the best competitors have bad cooks. Just keep your head up and keep going. If you feel it's in your spirit, your nature, competition, and and you're loving it, even though you lost, you had a great time. Just keep doing it. Um, I don't care if you lose, you know, 10 times in a row. Everybody goes through that and, and you're going to have ups and downs. And it, there's nothing more rewarding to get a call after, you know, everything you've put into it. And um, yeah, just hang in there. Well, and I think that's that way in a lot of competitions, especially when you're first starting, you know, mm-hmm. if you start if you, somewhere. You got to start somewhere. And if you think you're going to walk in and knock the world over, uh, maybe you can. It's possible to do it. Mm-hmm. But probability wise, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just one of those things. We are out of time. And Leanne, I, I want to thank you for uh, sharing with our listeners. Sharing A lot of your caring. insights. Sharing <laughs> is caring. Yep, absolutely. We'll be back next week. Uh, with another edition of Barbecue Nation. So for Leanne and myself, we thank you for listening and have a great week, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.